everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Candor's Candor. I'm your friendly neighborhood community manager, Dreamweaver, and I'm here once again this week with Kyle Candor Valet. <laughs> Which is how I'm saying his name now. Yeah. Because that's where we found ourselves in this dark alternate timeline where we are still at home. I'm pretty sure this is the darkest timeline. I don't know if you've watched Community, but uh-huh. I, I think this is the darkest <laughs> timeline. I don't know if anyone has any proof that there is a non-dark version of this timeline. But if you do, please send it directly to Candor at his email address that he likes posting on the forums. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an easy way to remember how to pronounce my last name. It's Vol, like volume, and Lee, like Lee Jeans, Bali. Oh, no, no, I know. I pronounced <laughs> it correctly this time. I do not. After I do we not, discussed it. I do not park cars for a living. <laughs> I just want to be clear. After we discussed it, I know how to say it correctly now. Okay. I just, you know, it's kind of, I feel like it'd be a letdown if I pronounced it correctly at this point. It's so, not ballet. With all due respect to your name, I'm probably going to say it incredibly weirder the further we go on. That's totally fine. Yeah. All right, cool. Good. Just wanted to be clear <laughs> where we're at. Let's uh, let's dive right into questions this week. All right. Uh, I, at this point, episode seven has not yet aired because we're waiting on some approvals, I think. Uh, but it is our longest episode of everything we've done so far. So, one, apologies. And uh, two, hopefully you enjoyed listening to all almost 40 minutes of it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this one will be a little bit shorter. Uh, that's kind of the goal. We'll, we'll find out. It's action-packed. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the first question comes from girl, or girl, I don't know, however you want to pronounce it. TLE specific, is there going to be an upgrade amount like in DOF from instance bosses in EOF? It is the bestest. And especially going into ROK, it would be a shame not to have a new upgraded version since DOF drops will no longer be accessible because of level increases, mobs being grayed out. Pretty please, and tosses up some metal horns for emphasis. Right. That's a good way to get me enthusiastic about it. So we did not make one for EOF. Since there's not really a plethora of statted mounts in the game, I thought it would be good for people to have to go back and play in those older zones to keep getting a statted mount, but we will we will be putting one in for ROK. That's the plan. So that way... Because obviously you won't be able to go back and do those instances when they're gray. And being gray, they won't drop loot. So the plan is to put a new statted mount for TLE in Runes of, or Ruins. ROK. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not even going to try. It's not important. <laughs> it's like, even when I was working on Runes of Kunark... <laughs> I was calling it ruins. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those. It's, it's one of those, like, your brain can't get away from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that, that one is a fairly easy answer. The next question comes from Liav. How difficult would it be to get replicas of mage mythical weapons that are flagged as appearance only for the range slot? 
I know this is a super fluff question, but since the introduction of wands to the game, it has always saddened me that mage mythical weapons are only ever seen sheathed, especially uh-huh. with ROK coming up soon on Kaladim. I've been wishing I could display my wizard mythical weapon as a wand. And ROK, Rise of Kunark. <laughs> yep, there you go. I was like, I was like, what is Runes of Kunark? I, I don't even know. Like it's been, <laughs> it's been, it's been. It's been a so long Monday. It's just been one been, long Monday. People are like, he doesn't even know the name of his own expansion. What is wrong with that? Guy? <laughs> um, I, was, I thought you so just confused. knew something I didn't know. Like it was originally called. No, Rain. no, 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 uh, no. I don't think it ever was. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here being like, well, I know it's not what it's called, but uh, okay, it's cool. Okay, It's R-O-K. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so the question is about um, they would like parents versions of their epics. Well, so it, it sounds like the mage mythical weapons, they're only ever seen sheathed. Like they never see them when they're casting or things like that. So it sounds like they just want an appearance slot version so they can see their mage mythical weapons actually being utilized. Hmm. wonder if if there's any other classes that have that dilemma. It's possible, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, appearance items for weapons are not, they're not, I mean, they're not difficult to make. They're not time consuming. I mean, I guess maybe everyone would like to be able to, like once they, maybe once they've finished their epic, they could buy appearance versions of the weapons so that they can use them. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, I, I could see that. Some of my favorite things in some of the games I play, like Diablo 3 is a good example of this. I'm trying to think of some others. Destiny 2 just had it added, um, uh-huh. but where it, lets tran- it basically lets you transmorgify. So, like, say uh-huh. you have a weapon that's better with stats and everything else, but uh-huh. you like the look of another weapon better. Like, that's the whole thing behind Diablo 3's seasons, basically. Right. Like you're you're unlocking new appearance gear on a regular basis. And personally, that's one of my favorite parts of it. I like very specific builds and weapons and things that I'm using. Mm-hmm. And I always like changing up the appearance though of some things. Sometimes the best in slot item is not what I think looks the best. I know I'd be in favor of it personally, but obviously, you know. This is me talking from a personal standpoint. I, I think it's cool to be able to change the look of your weapons and armor if it's possible to do in games. Right. Knowing the amount of work that it takes for those right. things to happen. Yeah, they're, I, like, I as I said, they're not difficult to make. They're pretty relatively pretty quick, too. I'll put it on the list. Maybe and people that um, the Epic 2.0s, they might want them, too. So yeah, um, yeah I think we could probably... If we set them up so that they're predicated, I mean, there's a that would be a lot of items on one merchant, but we could set them up so that they're predicated that if you finish those quests, then you could purchase appearance versions of those. I mean, I guess the appearance versions are like to add to the to the wardrobe, right? And then because yeah. you, you don't want to blow up your your original weapons to do exactly. that. Exactly. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'll definitely add it to the list. Cool. All right, uh, the next question comes from Nuclear, or Nuclear, or Nuclear, <laughs> Nuclear. Been wanting to ask this for a couple of years now. Heroic opportunities. 
They were the thing that got me addicted to this game initially when it was in its infancy. As we all, as we all may know, heroic opportunities are a system of symbol combinations in which players synergize and chain to achieve a cool effect, buff, or damage strike. Those symbols are found on your profession spells. These combos can, to my knowledge, run up to four separate abilities in a chain. To me, it was a way for players to get a little bit extra out of teamwork or just matching the symbols on a pretty wheel. Unfortunately, the scaling of those effects, buff and damage strikes, have by and large not stood the test of time. My question is, are there or could there be plans to scale the system to the numbers flowing now or perhaps in an expansion beyond balanced synergy? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question because um, Heroic Opportunities was one of my favorite things too. I thought they added a lot to group play. I thought, I remember, you know, having a macro so like you could put the spell that you would cast every time it was up, you'd put a macro on there to start your Heroic Opportunities. Like playing a Brigand, we always wanted you to get the, you know, the scout buff because it was good. They never scaled. They weren't set up to scale properly so they basically are i mean they're they're pretty much worthless to cast now that said i would love to make them um current um we have talked about you know doing like a a revamp we've talked about you know changing them i was one of those people that as a designer i used to try to put heroic opportunities like my own make my own into some fights and stuff i always thought they were really super cool and i always wanted to have like an epic, you know, heroic opportunity, like you're fighting a dragon and and you like have this giant visual of like a tumbler lock turning as each person does their part, and then you know, you like an explosion or something. And that that said, um I I am not opposed in the, in the know of how much work that would be, nor am I opposed of doing something to try to make them current. And uh, I will definitely put it on the list of things to talk about in the design meeting. So, but it might be not super hard to try to put some sort of scaling in them so that they are actually cool and relevant. But that said, no promises, but I I definitely agree with what they're saying and I, I will definitely... Um, add it to the list. Cool. All right. Uh, next question. Sergeant Pumpkin. Sergeant Pumpkin. I'm going to pronounce it phonetically. Sergeant Pumpkin. Is it like missing all the vowels? Oh, yeah. There's no vowels at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's Sergeant Pumpkin, but Sergeant Pumpkin sounds funnier. I know it's been said many times, but as a player from launch, I want to emphasize that the recipe book drop rate a recipe slash book drop rate system is the worst it's ever been. Missing so many regular books as a crafter sucks. Never have I needed regular expert sage books at this point in any X back. And the RNG for runes is even worse. So question, what are the plans for this system? Will we see any change or is this the way it will be for the X back? So I pretty much agree with that. That. There's not. There's a lot of unfriendliness about it. Um, we are discussing it right now. In fact, it's probably going to be a one of the big talk topics of the next design meeting because we're going to be talking about a bunch of different stuff that we want to try to fix or make better, more friendly for the trade skill stuff. To give people a little bit of background, 
We had big plans. In fact, I think I already talked about this. We kind of already, yeah, we kind of already talked about trade skills itself. We did. So I don't know if it. We had big plans and they didn't work out. So this year, we're really trying to make sure that we can make some of the stuff better. And also, I think like the availability of of those types of recipe books and stuff like that. If they were something that were just on a merchant that you could just earn and you knew like, there it is and I'll be able to get it, that might be much better than just praying for an RNG drop. So, I mean, all that stuff is definitely um, on our minds and we definitely want to try to make some changes uh, this year with the expansion. The bad news is it probably won't happen right away. The good news is, is we, we definitely want to get it better by the end of the year. Okay. And our final question of the episode from players, since we're trying to keep these a little bit shorter and not take up as much of your time each day. Uh, Austerity asks, I would like to know if the ethereal tokens from last summer will be made heirloom. Thanks. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Well, that was the shortest answer. Austerity, I'm really sorry. Kyle, would you like to explain why, maybe? Um, I, so I'm going to give an answer that I'm not 100% sure on, but I thought we made it so that they didn't need to be made heirloom because you once you finished the ethereal stuff that unlocked for your alts and your alts could get it too. I thought that was the reason that we didn't make them heirloom. If people are talking about like they want to have them tradable on Isle of Refuge so that they can port over there and buy some, yeah, probably not. I Are heirloom items tradable in Isle of Refuge? Yes, they are. I've never used, I've never been on Isle of Refuge. It's one of the and, servers I have not and I believe Rivervale also, right? Rivervale also has the yes. the, tra- the tradable stuff, right? Yeah, so it's an amazing amount of information that I have to keep in my head. But, <laughs> but I, I thought I thought Rivervale also had the all the heirloom stuff is tradable That's, code. That sounds right. I just I honestly <laughs> don't remember. Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's why Asterity could be asking. I'm I'm pretty sure we put everything being accessible to alts once they unlocked everything, too. I, I feel like we put it towards the end, though, so maybe Austerity is coming back and hasn't experienced this year's Ethereals yet. Like, maybe they came back after last year's Ethereals, mm-hmm. which is why they're asking. I'm not sure. Not a lot of extra context to the question. Well, so th- the thing about Summer Ethereals is that we originally started doing these to give people something to work on during the summertime and not, not the first couple of years, but in about in the middle area, it became this thing where people decided, Hey, you know, it's just easier for me to skip it and then go buy everything on Isle of Refuge. And that was definitely not what we were shooting for. We want you to participate. We want, you know, summer, Summer ethereals means come play during the summer, and we want it to be perceived more as an event that if you miss it, then you miss it. So um, that's also part of the reason why we kind of tried last year to not put anything in it that you literally just can't play without. Like the ethereal armor is good up till I think raids for tier two, and then there's better stuff after that. So that was the intent. You know, we're trying to not 
put stuff in that you'd like, oh, I didn't play in the summer ethereals and now I'm completely edged out of something. It's a really crazy balance trying to do something. We want to make it so that people are excited about it and they want to participate and they feel like there's something worth earning. And at the same time, players who missed it, because there's definitely going to be players who missed it, aren't, I want to say, asked out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I get what you're saying. Okay, well, that's a good note. Um, so we're at the end of the episode. We've done our questions this week. And I have my question for the episode. And I think this one is uh, kind of hopefully going to be a fun one for the players to listen to. But I was wondering if you could tell us about the very first thing you worked on on the EQ2 team. Like when you first came onto the EQ2 team, what was your first big project? Uh, so when I became, when I first started working on the EQ2 team, I was an apprentice designer, and I did a lot of the solo content. That so we we launched the game, and then there was this big push to put more solo content in. So I did like some of the Antonica stuff, the Matsy rolling pin. Yes, I remember the NPC's name. And then um, I also ended up doing a lot of the Zach uh, solo stuff. That was my first stuff. So I did um, Birch Bark, I believe was the name of the NPC, the Int that sent you out to, you know, um, avenge his fallen friend. And like, I, so I did a lot of that stuff. I did a lot of, um, along with uh, Tony Garcia, he was my my mentor. So I did a bunch of uh, of the very early solo stuff that we put in. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite part of those? Like when you were doing those solos, like that you remember or anything like that? Yeah. The, there was an int in Zach. Um, int is kind of one of those words. We don't, I don't know that we call them ints in EverQuest, but uh, <laughs> there was a tree person. There was a tree person in Zach and uh, his name was Birch, Birch Bark. And uh, that was, that was like my first real um, the, <laughs> my my first real quest line um, in EQ two, and uh, I put a lot of lot of work into those. So yeah, that was, and I definitely remember it because it was it was definitely um, intimidating working on that stuff um, the first time. And uh, but I, I I thought it I thought it came out pretty good. I thought it came out. Pretty, um, you know, I was really, yeah. I was, I was really proud of it. Let's just say that. So, makes yeah. sense. All right, awesome. Well, like I said, I think that's all the time we have for this week. I want to try and keep these a little shorter than we're currently running. So, everybody, thank you for listening, Kyle. Thank you for spending time answering questions again. Uh, as each and every other time before this, until I melt into nothing, I'm Dreamweaver. Your, f- your favorite community manager, probably. I meant friendly, but we'll just go with favorite. <laughs> let me live this lie, guys. Please let me live this lie. Uh, and we'll see you in game.